what do you think the story of Egypt is? Well, I think that that there was a pre-cataclysmic civilization on our planet right. that uh, existed prior to Maya, Egypt, and Inca, and so on. Timeline-wise, where would that put us? Uh, it would be like 12,000 years ago, prior to the last, um, the meltdown of the last ice age, which might have been this reporting all around the world of these ancient civilization about the Great Flood, right, yeah. where the, mo the water rose. Prior to these events, there may have been a civilization on our planet that left monuments all around the world that was maybe quite advanced and advanced in a different way that we're advanced today with technology that might have surpassed what we're capable of doing today. Seems like it. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to help give you the tools to make that happen. I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. Today on the show is Nassim Haramein. To start off our two-part series, uh, we're going to dive into Egypt. Since I just got back from Egypt, and he has so much knowledge about Egypt and ancient civilizations, where it all came from and what really happened in the science, we talked about the temples, about the pyramids, just what the heck was going on in ancient Egypt. Enjoy. I think like I'd like to be able to snowboard and ski. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great to be if able to If there was go. like steep and deep, yeah. it would be fine right, right. for snowboarding, yeah. but the rest of the time... Yeah. Socially, yeah. skiing is so much more functional. Yeah, it is. So functional. It is, yeah. Um, okay, so I just went to Egypt and got back um, last week. And uh, in listening to more of your talks and information, I was like, oh my gosh, you know all about Egypt. This would be the perfect time to ask what the hell is Egypt all about? Because right. in my like recent uh, exposure, yeah. I'm like, I literally just said to myself, when people asked me how it was, I think they were expecting me to come back with some sort of like giant epiphany or mm -hmm. some magical experience or mm -hmm. something. And maybe I was too on some level, like maybe that'll happen, but I wasn't looking for that. Mm -hmm. um, but all I could say when I came back is I was like, we just don't get it. Mm. Like we don't, we're not asking the right questions. Right. I'm not even sure we have the right. We know the right question to ask. Exactly. It's so gigantic. It's so. It's such a big enig enigma that it's actually hard to figure out, like what exactly happened there and uh, how did it actually get done? Because I mean, everybody knows about the pyramids and all this, and a lot of people know about the stats of the pyramids and how they're incredibly precise and all these things. But there's so much more, you know, you go to Saqqara, you go to the Serapium, you go to so many places, you know, uh, along the Nile and so on. And you see things that are just remarkable, that are not easily explained uh, in terms of ancient civilization with copper tools and vine ropes with like a few hundred thousand slaves pulling. Yeah, right. Let's just pull that giant monolithic size 
stone up here and wait that's just one of a bajillion of them that we're going to get right here. exactly and it doesn't make any sense <laughs> it doesn't and why would you want to build like that you know civilizations built with the means of their technology at the time you know you you know even today we use bricks that are easily carried you know from one place to the other wait the giant people do you think it was giant people well there's stories about giants right. from all around the world. Right. Uh, it could be that they were very large people at one point on the planet. They're, they're in the cultural myth all around the world from societies that didn't know each other uh, and uh, that should not have the same ideas, you know. And then as well, you see uh, same type of architecture uh, architecture mm -hmm. all around the world as well like why were they all building pyramids and right. we're finding more and more it's not like there's a few right. there's all thousands over. yeah and how many are covered right now exactly right? how many are covered by trees and bushes and you know you look out and you're like that mountain looks perfect <laughs> <laughs> yes actually they're just uh using new technology lidar technology they're starting to map out in uh southern uh, mexico and guatemala and so on uh the jungle and they're finding thousands and thousands of pyramids that they didn't know was there and they're saying oh my god they must have been the population of millions of people in this region and um you know it like the conventional archaeologic explanation of you know these uh kind of like um very you know low technological technologically advanced civilization um and and low cultural you know advanced um knowledge is not consistent with mm. what is being found all mm. around the world so yeah and so you got the same stories all around the world you get the same type of archi architecture around the world and when you look at the stories the stories are very consistent. Uh, they talk about giants, but they as well talk about, you know, these giants, come, you know, coming from the stars. Mm -hmm. They talk about them as sun gods. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they talk about them coming in vessels or boats that floated in the air and so on. And so, you know, I know this is controversial, but well, when much? you look at the evidence, it's overwhelming. Before we get into more specific questions. When I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents. I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra one of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12 ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. 
My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voyedbydanica.com. There seems to be bridges connecting science and mythology and spirituality. So how much, how much of the mythological stories do uh, drive the science? Like where's the, where's the intersection there that makes you look at something? And do you even believe in it at all? Because being a scientist, you know, that's, it, they're stories, right? Right. But where do they come from? Exactly. Well, you know, if they were really scarce and they were very different across the world from each other and they didn't have any consistency and so on, you would say, well, maybe they had a really good, in those regions, they had a really good imagination and they come up with this, all this stuff, right? But there is this thing about the consistency. And then for me, and this is certainly not the, typical path for scientists, especially not in physics. Uh, for me, um, I was very interested in archaeology. I felt there was a great mystery. Mm. Uh, and um, I was very much interested in, in the anomalies in archaeology. And um, I could see relationship between the physics I was writing and the symbolism that was found in all these different cultures around the world. Uh, left by the sun gods, you know, um, and for me, it was like, wait, maybe there's something to learn here about the foundation of reality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a tendency to live in um, what I call like, um, uh, uh, you know, linear view of reality, right? right? We, we tend to be um, uh, horizontal in our view, right? We do our work every day, we go home, we do the laundry, take care of the kids, do the cooking, go to bed, start over again, right? And so, we, and so we're, it's like we have a cap and we're just looking on the surface, right? Like on, on like a linear way. And I, what I call, I call this going vertical. So like to like blow the cap, Mm -hmm. And then take a like a maybe a galactic view of Earth, right? Well, from the galaxy, Earth doesn't even show up. It's too small. Right? <laughs> even the sun is too right. small. But like imagine that you could like take a view from like the galactic perspective. How much possibility of life is there in the galaxy? You know? A lot. I think that it's one of the most um, egotistical things to think that we're the only existence in the universe. Right. And, and, and then you got to ask as well deeper questions like, well, how did they all get there? Right. right? How do you get all there? Like, and how is it getting organized so that in some miracle, you know, a hundred trillion cells would continue to do the same thing, like duplicating exactly the right way so I can keep living, right? It's not mm -hmm. just like, oh, it happened millions of years ago and we got like biology going. It's continuing to happen yeah. every second, right? You're dividing about a million cells a second. There's billions of chemical change that are occurring in your body continuously. There's, you know, there's this incredible dynamic 
of creation occurring for you to be able to sit here and look back at ancient civilization or look at physics and so on and, and wonder yeah. about the nature of reality. And so when you go vertical and you look at it from that perspective, and then you look at these ancient civilization and the symbolisms they left and the philosophy they left and all this, and you look at advanced physics, all of a sudden you start to see they converge. Hmm. And that was my first gut feeling intuition early on, mm -hmm. like 30 years ago. Mm. And then I start developing physics based on, on this understanding. Mm. So I think there's something really profound in, you know, when you go to these temples, for instance, in Egypt or in Maya country or in, in Peru and yeah. so on. There's something profound and it's not necessarily some spiritual awakening that's going to happen. It's just a realization that something probably remarkable happened in what our history. What do you history. think that was? In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code SOMNIUM to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. How were these temples built? How were the walls clad with information and the, the like there's no way somebody had a little hammer and chisel like they're perfect i was like did they have a stamp did they have a casting <laughs> yet the pictures are different all of it so right what what is it in a in a bigger overview like what do you think egypt where what do you think the story of egypt is well i think that and we're discovering this more and more many many researchers are are working on this but that there was a pre-cataclysmic civilization on our planet right. that uh, existed prior to Maya, Egypt, and Inca, and so on. Timeline-wise, where would that put us? Uh, it would be like 12,000 years ago, prior to the last, um, the meltdown of the last ice age, which might have been this reporting all around the world of these, these ancient civilization about the great flood, right, yeah. where the, mo the water rose uh, dramatically all around the world. And, and, you know, so prior to these events, there may have been a civilization on our planet that left monuments all around the world that was maybe quite advanced and advanced in a different way that we're advanced today um, with technology that might have surpassed what we're capable of doing today. Seems like it. Yes, because many of those pieces we see around the world are not something we could reproduce with mm. all of our cranes and all of our advanced CNC technology and so on. We can't take, uh, you know, like the, the statues that are a thousand ton, right? We can't take a thousand ton uh, granite or durite statue, which is almost as hard as diamond, and put it in the CNC and carve the face of a pharaoh perfectly. so it's perfectly symmetric and so on. Like, we can't do that. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of evidence that's piling up about this earlier civilization that may have left us very important pieces of information about the nature of reality, the nature of consciousness, 
um, and the nature, like advanced technology that could free humanity from, um, from the bondage of being mm. stuck on the surface of a planet, for mm -hmm. instance, with limited resources. And we're arriving at a very important time in our evolution where we have to do something dramatic to, uh, to learn to uh, produce energy in yeah. a sustainable way, to learn to, you know, motivate, you know, move ourselves in a sustainable way mm -hmm. and so on and so on. And I think maybe some of these ancient uh, sets of knowledge are present to help us with this moment. One baseline thing that I came away with was that in exploring these temples, and we went to a ton, I mean, it was two weeks of touring. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like the Hathor temple, like there's a sort of canal, like they would call it like a birthing canal that goes down and splits. Right. It was daytime when we were there mm -hmm. and it's dark. Mm -hmm. But of course, they've now had to run power down there and it, you know, running it on the floor with lights. But there's nothing on the walls about fire, electricity. That's right. There's nothing in there to tell you, like, how did they see? Exactly. And the walls are covered with information. So it's like I was in there during the day. So I'm like, what did they what did they do for light? Right. That, that's a big question, actually. I, you know, it's hard to answer that question. There's no, you know, some thoughts was that they were using mirrors of the time, but mirrors of the time. What were, does that mean? Well, well, you know, mirrors in the right angle to reflect the sun into where they were going. But, um, you know, mirrors at the time were not reflecting light very well. And they were, you know, um. it wouldn't have worked um, in some of those areas. I mean, when you go into some of the pyramids, yeah. you're hundreds of feet below the ground, yeah. you know, like the Serapium. I mean, there's all kinds of places. Under Saqqara, there's a chamber that's almost like maybe eight story high with a, with a durite box in the middle that's enormous, almost two story high durite box that um, made out of 64, 62 pieces, each one weighing over 100 ton, uh, over 500 ton and so on. I mean, it's just... It's not conceivable that you could do it that way. And then, you know, at the Atar temples, uh, recently they were doing repairs on the floor and they found that there's, you know, these huge um, uh, pillars. Yes, they're right? huge. They're huge. Gigantic. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, never mind the walls covered and everything. The pillars in all the temples are grandiose they're yes. gigantic they're on the outside they're on the inside yeah and you're like that small beside it yeah and it's like wait why did they make the ceiling so high right why are the pillars so big <laughs> yeah because um, that'd be hard to do um well now they found uh that it seems like there is the same pillars underneath uh, meaning that the the temple we see today is built on top of another one that's what the guides were saying is that like they were all all of these are built on top of old old temples right Th that are even older yes right so then that would be the temples i'm talking about mm -hmm. from the earlier pre-cataclysmic mm -hmm. and ah. you you see this is where there's been some confusion in archaeology uh, you see that in peru very clearly um you know we assign certain buildings and certain monuments to the Egyptian or 
to the Incas or the Mayas and so on. But when you actually look at these monuments, you can see what was repaired mm -hmm. and what was original. Mm -hmm. And you can see the repairs you are, you know, of a quality much lower than the original. And so we've assigned the same dates from the repairs to the original. Uh -huh. And, and, uh, and I, when I was in Egypt and in Peru and so on, I was pointing that out to the guides. Uh, some of them being, you know, archaeologists that are well-seasoned and Agreed. so on. Yeah. And they were, they were noticing, you know, especially in Peru, they like, oh, now I get it. You know, Enca, pre-Enca, you know, Enca, yeah. pre-Enca. And so, you know, um, some of the technologies that are, one, like, for instance, these walls in Inca country in Peru, which where the stones seem to have been melted onto each other so that they're perfect, mm -hmm. very complex puzzle. Mm. Not one stone is the same. I have a picture literally like in Machu Picchu in the ruins and it's like a perfect like notch and it's all just like, and it's like slightly beveled edge and everything meets up perfectly. Right. And you're just like, How'd they do that? Exactly. Why? Why would it just be flat? Like if they're stacking stones, right? Why you? Why you got a notch here? You uh -huh. know? Yeah. It's and crazy. then there's theories that they had moles, and they were like in Egypt that they were they were using limestone powder and making the blocks. Right. Um, but then you look at the pyramids, and not one block is the same size. <laughs> so you would have to make two million three hundred thousand moles. <laughs> you know, so that doesn't make sense, right? If you got a mold, you make them all the same and then you... And it was smooth, too. The outsides of the pyramids were smooth, right? Yeah, they were. They, they look were... like they're stacked right now as blocks and there's edges, but originally it was smooth. Yeah, that was the inner rough layer that right. we see. Uh, on, on top was a layer of uh, limestone that was perfectly smooth and perfectly... The, the few box, blocks that are left, you can see the... Yeah. The joints are perfect and yeah. so on. And that was mined to build, you know, early Cairo. You know, it was mined off the pyramids. So there's not so many blocks that remains. But, yeah. The big question that I have, and let's separate them because I feel like they're different, is the purpose of the temples and the purpose of the pyramids. Yeah. Because, of course, the temples were, you know, mostly all of obviously like you know open and there's rooms and but they're very open and of course there's some places you can go underneath a little bit but um and there's probably even more connecting things here and there especially when you get into luxor and connecting certain things underground and and of course they you know the thought of the pyramids and the sphinx and everything became connected underground but the temples seem to serve a different purpose they were also clad with all of the stories and the rituals and the offerings and the you know accomplishments and everything that, that's all over the place but then you go to the pyramids and the pyramids are just the pyramid there's nothing there's not a thing on the wall so the difference between the temples and the pyramids but let's go with the temples since that's what we're talking about what were they for well i think that um the two were connected like mm -hmm. you were saying mm -hmm. you know, they found they found underground tunnels, you know, that connect everything. I mean, and 
it's pervasive, meaning there's more and more tunnels being found every day. And, you know, and not everything is published. You know, I was, I was fortunate to be in the presence of various, let's just say, you know, official agents, uh, you know, I, when mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. in those regions that showed me maps of what the what's under there that's remarkable but this uh so so they seem to have been connected like a big it just looked like a big circuit board you know when you looked at the map it just looked like a you I I I make circuit boards in my laboratory you know electronic boards ju look just like that with components you know and then connections and all this the traces and all this, so like it, it looked like a huge resonant, you know, yeah, uh, electronic circuit yeah. that connected. And so I think the pyramids might have been a power source. <laughs> you see, yeah. and the temple would have been the place where the you know the consciousness and the spiritual awareness and all this, or the the higher you know, path of initiation was happening mm -hmm. um, because you see science and this is finally occurring in physics. Uh, you can't really divorce consciousness from reality. Um, we are made out of atoms and protons and electrons and neutrons and, and cells and all this. And we have this thing that we call self-awareness and consciousness is kind of a weird word because it's really not well-defined, you know? It's like, what is that, right? But, That's why everybody keeps writing about it. Yeah. What is it? What is it? Right, exactly. Um, so I like to use self-awareness. It gives more of an understanding, like some kind of feedback. Mm. Um, but, uh, but so this... You know, let's say you have an, uh, an evolution in which a civilization maybe even bypasses uh, the mechanical, like, uh, industrial revolution that we went through. Okay. And goes right to quantum entanglement, right? And, 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 and uses it. Yeah, and uses it, right? And, and gravity control and, you know, all this. Right. And... And that's conceivable, right? <laughs> it is. Um, it, it's not that we don't see that that's a possibility. It's just we went a very specific trajectory and it might have been a little bit of a detour. So let's say there's another civilization that did something a little different. Mm -hmm. And uh, you see, they would arrive at a place of understanding of the physics of the universe that would include the evolution of consciousness, mm. right? That would include what we might call spirituality today, but that is just like physics we haven't understood yet, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. nature of awareness, mm -hmm. the nature of consciousness, the nature of being able to like transcend your you know, linear experience to like going vertical and maybe, you know, having a deeper uh, integration with the universe, right? Yep. So that you're not thinking, oh, I'm just a little thing that's kind of like separate from everything to, oh, you know, my physics, my 
technology and everything is showing me I'm actually part of this amazing will works of nature and I'm, you know, I'm an intricate part of it. I, I'm, I'm the universe learning about myself, right? And that leads to a very different kind of technology. Right. It leads to a very different kind of interaction, human interaction with each other and so on. And so if you look at these ancient civilization and, and you think technology and advanced consciousness, right? You would see something like pyramids that could be power plants, right? right? So there's no writing in them because it's a power plant, right? That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. I mean, when going into the Great Pyramid and going into the king's chamber, like it was super, there's a lot of people on this trip that were able to sort of sense different things and there's clear everything, right? Like, uh -huh. so, but I feel frequency pretty easily. So you go into the king's chamber and, or is it called king's chamber or tomb? Mm -hmm. King's chamber. And um, cause no, he's not living, the, 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 the tombs are in the, you know, Valley of the Kings. Yeah, they never found any mummies no. in the pyramids. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so, but you go in and the frequency is so high. Mm -hmm. And I thought these were like energy centers. Right. That's what they felt like to me mm -hmm. too, because yeah. the frequency was high. There's nothing adorning the walls. There's no mm -hmm. comfort. There's no beauty even mm -hmm. on, I mean, it's cool. It's interesting, Right. but it's not aesthetically like somewhere you'd be like, oh, do you want to have tea in the queen's chamber today? <laughs> yes. Like, no, no. No, it's not one of those. No, no. Um, maybe in the temple over there. Yeah, but, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but it felt like that to me too. And you know, I had a lot of thoughts about the tops of the pyramid and like the mm -hmm. top of Kofu, the Great Pyramid, isn't even there. Mm -hmm. Do we know where it is? No. We okay, don't. so what do you think it is? Because I had plenty of thoughts about that. Too. Oh, well, well. I mean, I just had random thoughts about like, why don't we know where it is? Right. And what purpose did it serve? Why wouldn't it still be there? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, you know, um, there is multiple depiction. Of, mm. There's not that many depiction, first of all, of the pyramids. And all these walls that are adorned with all this aeroglyphs and all everything telling us everything about the Egyptian there's actually nowhere where it says oh and by the way on our spare time we build the pyramids right I don't even the, think there's pyramids on the wall like they don't even have like no I mean right that's right so there's only a few places where they were found and in in those cases which made the archaeologists think that the 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 cap of the pyramid was made out of gold it shows the cap radiating light. Mm -hmm. Okay. To, of course, to an archaeologist in the 1800s, the first thought might be, oh, it must be reflective surface, could be gold, right? Right. I don't quite come to the same conclusion. Um, you're a scientist, but what's your opinion? Because it's well, hard to prove these things, right? Right, yes. Um, my opinion is that the power source... That, so I was privileged to be able in the, to be in the pyramid by myself for, you know, for hours in the middle of the night. And I, I, I was just tuning and humming. Just, yep. Yep. Toning. Yeah. Toning. Yeah, just like really too. light. Beautiful. Yeah. Just to see like 
how does it resonate this yeah. chamber right mm -hmm. how does this cavity resonate mm -hmm. and it was just remarkable yeah uh, because i got goosebumps thinking about it we did the same thing yeah because i had groups coming in and out mm -hmm. you know for um two hours at the time but in between the groups I had these moments alone and as soon as the group the last people would exit the pyramid when i was toning all of a sudden the resonance would change and it was just remarkable. I could feel the whole, the whole pyramid. You were talking a lot of tonnage of material. Yeah. Yeah. Resonating. And people outside said, I could hear you toning. And I'm, I'm always toning like really quietly, you know. And so it was just, so, so think of the pyramid maybe as a resonating cavity, right? And, Think of the technology that would be very advanced, right? That would be a technology that has gravitational effects, a technology that's extracting energy from space-time, you know, very advanced technology, like a warp drive or mm -hmm. something like that. Well, that technology would be a resonance link to the structure of space-time. I, I just, okay. I'm so excited today because I just finished solving these equations literally yesterday <laughs> and i'm i'm just blown away we're right on time i'm just blown away like yesterday i literally i didn't but i felt like jumping <gasps> cheers and, i know this yeah. is not <laughs> oh I thank mean, you we can cheers with whatever you want but all we've got is coffee and tea right <laughs> yeah. now that's fascinating i mean yeah share whatever you would like to share yeah share. Well, we can talk about that but imagine this technology being so advance because it's tapping into the structure of reality yeah. tapping into this well that is a resonance match it's like a radio being mm. tuned to the right frequency mm -hmm. so that all of a sudden it's like and then the whole pyramid is like an antenna right yep. the whole thing is just and then those pyramids are on huge um, uh, limestone slabs, yeah. the biggest in the world, right? Really? It, yeah. If, I didn't know that. Yeah, one of the biggest. And if they weren't, they would have sunk, right? Because they're so heavy, yeah. right? So like ah. the White House sunk like six inches and it's much younger, <laughs> right? P.S. the, ab what are they, aren't they called uh, abelos? What is the, what are the spear, the spire spears? The Oh, at the front of the temple? Yeah, what are the, no, the, in Karnak. In Karnak? What are those called? The, the, the um, they're like the spires. Obelix? Obel Obelix, yeah. Obelix. Yeah. Uh, the one in D.C. is from Egypt. Right. That's crazy. Well, Who knew? Uh, well, okay, sorry, I just had to mention that because I thought that was fascinating. I'm there's like, one in the London, one in oh. there's one in England, uh, yeah, in London, there's one in France, in Paris, right? And then there's a replica in D.C., right? Do they make some kind of grid? Yes, well, I think at the time they were definitely antennas at the entrance of the temple so that because these things are highly tuned. You know the one in Karnak that's still standing? Yeah, yeah it's that thing right is there huge, yeah, right? It's huge. So it's like 500 tons made out of granite it's perfectly straight yeah right? they didn't miss like a beat there's right? things designed into that too and it's clad with information exactly all the way up and when you look closely it's perfect right it's perfect and there's many that are fallen mostly because 
the Europeans tried to take some to bring back to London and, and, and France. And they tried to take the big ones at first and they realized they couldn't take those <laughs> because they're too big. But when they fell them, they broke and stuff. But basically, you can go to the nose of one of those and hit it. And the whole thing resonate like a, like a tuning, tuning fork. fork. Yeah, exactly. So now think of what I was telling you about the pyramids, this power yeah. source that's resonating the whole thing. It's on a huge, you know, it's on the earth crust ringing, right? And then all the obelisks at the temple are capting the signal, right? And Free you know, energy. Yeah. This is their, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you look at, like, the Ankh, right? I had to wear my Flower of Life because I want to talk about, because I had this made because I've always resonated with the Flower of Life. Um, but the Ankh being, like, looking mm -hmm. like the Nikola Tesla, right. you know, coil. Coils, and it's, yeah. like, they are, pic like, pictures of them holding an Ankh all the time. And I get it's right. the original cross is the sort of, you know, whatever possibility, of course. And But then what is... Is it also energy? Was this also part of their energy system? Yeah, I mean, the, the original cross thing is, I think, inaccurate because, you know, right. like they hadn't used, they hadn't transformed it into a torturing device yet. <laughs> okay, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I just... Uh. Yeah, but but you can think of a. So what was it then? Okay, it's not it's not the original cross. Then what was it? Why are people holding that in every picture? Right. Why is why why am I wearing this? Exactly, there might have been technology specific. Like I was saying, you know, you have to think of the technology in a different way than yeah. when you think of technology mechanics today and stuff like that. It's it's probably a different level of technology that we don't well understand. But for instance, the pyramids are made out of mostly silica, right? Like this is, it's a huge crystal, right? And we, we use crystals in our technology today because they oscillate, oscillate well, right? So they're in our computers, in our phones and everything else. Like all microchips are running off these little crystal wavers. The amount of information, from what I understand, you can. There's a lot of information that can be held in a crystal, right? Well, yeah, Is that, that true. Well, it depends how you define information. Ah. Yes, but we definitely use oscillating crystals mm -hmm. in all of our electronics. Okay. Right. So, so imagine a civilization that's using an oscillating crystal, crystal, but it's the size of a pyramid, right? So then the power source, source that's oscillating that thing is a different level of energy than our little batteries in our computers and or you know so also in your pineal gland it's crystals in the pineal gland that's right? right yes there's there's liquid crystal in the yes and uh, we're like our own obelisk yeah obelisks or obelisk yeah. yeah. i don't yeah. know why i can't remember yeah that. you can uh, you can imagine the body as being a bio crystal oscillator and certainly all your bones are piezoelectric, like crystals. When you walk, they, you know, they produce electric fields. And, you know, there's, uh, this is why if you go in space, you start deteriorating if you don't have gravity because you need that piezoelectric effect, you know, to uh, keep all your tendons and your muscles activated and so on. And so it's really 
you know, like I said, all of a sudden, if you reach the vertical level of technology, if you think about right. it, what it could be, then it start to all kind of come together. Right. Right. Maybe they weren't just thinking of energy as electric fields to light up something, which they might have been able to do in a way that didn't require wires. Right. Um, like my which Nikola Tesla invented. did as well. Yes, yes. Wireless transfer of energy is absolutely possible. It's been reproduced, but um, but you can think as well as uh, maybe they were energizing the human crystal, you know, right? As well that they were bringing, right. you know, high level of coherency and so on. Maybe they could extend life, you know. Maybe. Uh, Maybe they could regenerate, regenerate uh, cells and so on. And, and that might explain as well their huge uh, uh, later in the dynasty intent on trying to preserve the crystal of the body, mm. right? Because when you look at how they embalmed, which we don't understand in right. modern uh, um, chemistry today, how they embalmed the body so that they would preserve so well and so on. Um, you know, we can't replicate that. Oh, uh, no, we have, you know, there is there is secrets that we can't figure out how they did it, you know, uh, in terms of preservation of the tissues and so on. It's remarkable. Um, and so there is, you know, so maybe they were wanting to preserve the crystalline nature of the body for you know, certain purposes in the future and so on. It's hard to tell. It's hard to say. And this might sound really very esoteric, but I assure you, I'm talking to you about this coming from a perspective of physics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and a, um, a standard physicist may not even understand what I mean by a perspective of physics there because it's beyond the standard model. However, we're starting to discover this place beyond the standard model. And much of it has to do with what I've been talking to you about, meaning that there's information in space-time, there's energy in space-time, there's a source of reality that is a field that connects everything, that everything is entangled, you know, that black holes are not these huge monsters that just appear in the middle of galaxy, but that they are part of the evolution of creation and so on. So this very, very deep level of physics that are emerging from those thoughts I was talking to you. Mm. So I guess at the end of the day, because there's this is all fascinating and it's fun and we talk about it, but it's like I always think to myself, OK, what does this what does this mean? You know, what do we learn from like going to Egypt and seeing, you know, I love the the joke in my head I've been thinking since I was there is it's like, you know, the writings on the wall. It's like it literally is. <laughs> yes. What are we missing? So what what is it that inspires you the most and leads you down a rabbit hole from ancient Egypt? Well, I think the awe of being there and seeing these things. And I think if you study them for many years, as I did, and you, and you never actually go there and see it, yeah, uh, 
you you're missing you you have to go and see it it's just you just have to see it yeah it's all inspiring yeah. and and you you really get the the sense of the normal you know the enormous task uh, that it would take to put these things together but yeah um i think that uh i think the key is that first of all to realize and you know more and more archaeologists in egypt and in you know south america are starting to are agreeing that they must have been a pre cataclysmic civilization this is becoming almost a standard in archaeologic you know in egyptology over there um you know now this um i think is telling us i think what can we get out of this i think what we can get out of this is that there's something way beyond um oh we were microbes and then the microbes got together and then they made a monkey and then <laughs> you know the monkey started walking on two feet and you know like it became some kind of you know homo sapiens sapien and somehow the homo sapiens sapiens start to become self-aware and you know that there's something deeper i mean that story might be true but the fact that it happened was not some kind of random event but that there is a deeper you know evolutionary pulse in 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 reality in in our world in the, in the physicality of our world like like in the i'm talking not some spiritual thing but actually in the atoms that you're made of right that like these things are carrying information and that evolutions are cyclical you know totally and that the stories in egypt are cyclical like you Mm -hmm. look at the story of isis and osiris and the you know immaculate conception of horus and Mm -hmm. then you look at mary and the immaculate conception Mm -hmm. of jesus like the cycle like you you start to hear the backstory further and further and further you're like wow I've heard that story before. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, like just as an example that I yeah. that I heard there. You find it in the Vedic tradition. You <laughs> find everywhere. You know, mm. Maya Inca, so on. You you find the same stories. So you see these um, these cyclical dynamics uh, of evolution, and you start to think, okay, you know, where could we go from here? You know, maybe we need to go. It's like literally like back to the future. It's like maybe we need to like <laughs> understand what happened then so that we can move forward now. Right. Yeah. So that we can. And that was really my thought three years huh. ago. Uh, and that's why I was not able to study inside the institution so well, because I was too interested on in subjects that were very, you know, considered unrelated and um and i wanted to have that flexibility to study whatever i wanted so and so i think at the deeper level uh it will lead us to understanding the nature of our existence and the nature of reality and that might sound like an unconceivable notion that, this is my dream uh-huh to understand that right well you know and and why not right like we we came out of this reality 
why would we not have the knowledge on how it actually made us? How, you know, how we got here, what it is, how it works, and to become harmonic with it. Like the idea, you know, that there is not enough energy for everybody and that we have to fight for it. You know, that we have to go to war and so on for territorial disputes or for energy or for resources. Um, you know, it's not congruent with what you observe in the universe. Right. You know, the universe is very energetic. Yeah. You know, you look at a star, it's, it's outputting some serious juice. You know, it's like... So are you and I. Right. Heart, your heart produces... I don't know the numbers, but it's a, a tremendous amount of energy. Correct. Um, you burn at almost 100 Fahrenheit all day long, yeah. every day, for like 80 years yeah. to 100 years. Hopefully. Uh, maybe 150 years. <laughs> maybe or 1,000. Yeah, who knows? Who knows, right? <laughs> but it's like, it's, an, it's a very dynamic, energetic universe. Mm. Every atom, every proton has been spinning since the beginning of time, mm. you know, and it doesn't slow down. It doesn't go, oh, you know, I'm running out of energy. I didn't pay my bill, you know, whatever. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It keeps going, Yeah, going and going. It's like way better than the Energizer yeah. Bunny. And it, it, you know, and you look at the universe, not only is it continuing to expand, it's not slowing down as it's expanding, which you'd expect right. if it was entropic and so on. It's actually accelerating. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we live in an extremely energetic system. Mm -hmm. We tend to think that um, we have to scrounge to get energy, but it might be that if we understand actually the nature of the source of this energy that produces all this. Yeah reality uh then we would have uh infinite amount of energy so then the the the, the capping question on it is is there something suppressing that is there some body suppressing that are there is there more of a sort of evil selfish egotistical group or entity or that is like withholding this information, I was thinking to myself when we were talking about the cap to the pyramid, and I was thinking like, you look on the back of the dollar, right? And it has the cap with yes. an eye, with an and eye. The, What's and in you're the middle like, of the What's eye? What's in there? And where is the cap? Do they have the cap <laughs> right. hidden underground? What are they doing with it? Like, <laughs> I am playful. I know you're a scientist, but I I look at these like from a layman's perspective. I look at these like little signs, and you're like, why would what does this all mean? You know, because it seems crazy that we don't know where we came from. We don't understand so much about whether it be ancient Egypt or the origins and the nature of reality. Like, why don't we know this? Why are we using fossil fuels? Like, mm -hmm. there's so much that's like, why? Right. Um, so is there a resistance beyond just our knowledge? Or is it really just... Egypt is inspiring, and now we're at, we're starting to ask the right questions. Um, I think you know you're yes and yes. You're you're right that um, there's been resistance and there's been straight up you know cover up, <laughs> um, and people have lost their lives over right. it. Um, you know, and 
um, and there's been a lot of um, uh, different behaviors that are have slowed down the evolution of humanity. Right. However, I like to think of it in the context of an evolution, right? Okay. We're a young uh, right. species. Right. We just started on our little path <laughs> as a more advanced technological community. You know, like 150 years ago, the idea that you could get into a metal object and fly across the country and end up, you know, a few hours later in New York was like unthinkable, right? Uh, now we do it every day. We don't think twice about mm -hmm. it. Um, so, so we're really young. And um, so of course, there is interest that were built on certain infrastructure that could be very disruptive mm -hmm. if all of a sudden we could extract energy out of the structure of space anywhere you are and massive amount of it. Or never mind that you would have a gravitational drive and you can go and orbit Jupiter for the weekend, right? So Sounds fun. Yeah, could be fun. You know, resistance is always going to be there, although resistance is futile, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, we're going to go along with the program or we're going to get recycled by nature, right? Uh, so, That's right. I, yeah, and, and so we're at that point yeah. where... Um, we have this opportunity and that's why I'm so excited about the equations I solved yesterday, which is the result of, you know, many years of, of working on this specific part. Sure. Yeah. But basically, you know, this is, we have this opportunity to transcend this level of technology. And that's uncomfortable for people. Mm. It's normal. It's uncomfortable. Like, it's uncomfortable for people that have been taught or have been teaching all these years a certain set of doctrines, a certain right. set of understanding, a certain set of ways of looking at the universe to all of a sudden get uprooted and, oh, you know, maybe... It wasn't quite the Egyptian that built this stuff. Or maybe, you know, the laws of thermodynamics or the laws of uh, conservation of energy are correct, but we don't live in a closed system. So there's an open system. So that means there's information that can right. flow through the system and we have access to it. Right. right? So it's just it, that change, that transformation in our mentality can produce some resistance and, and some difficulty in society. But, and I think we're right there. I, there's a new generation of scientists and archaeologists and all this that are coming up that are, you know, they are wanting the truth and they're looking for it and they're well, pure in their research. This is leading into now like the nature of reality, which is absolutely like my fascination. I wake up every day and I think to myself, what am I? What are we? What is this? What is this cup? Mm -hmm. What's happening? Am I literally create? Am I creating my reality in a way that is be like I everything like I have a saying that I've like my life's my fault. All the good and the bad. Right. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So am I just perpetuating my reality? Are we zeros and ones like my head like spins on this? <laughs> the micro macro. Are we, you know, things seem to make sense when you look at it from 
you know, that perspective, uh, or at least look at it like it's just, I'm just so confused and perplexed by it. Mm -hmm. And, um, which is why I love what you have to say. Um, so maybe starting with the simple question of like, what are we as a human? Oh, that's a simple question. Great. Oh my I, God. Like, what are we? Because uh, okay. at the end of the day, the answering these questions yes. helps you know how to live your life. Sure. When you know what you are, because yes. like that'd be the question, like a lot of people would wonder why does it matter? Well, it matters because it's how you're going to live your life. Yeah. Like if you know that you could, if you know you can create your future, well, wouldn't you do something about it? Uh -huh. Like instead of letting life happen to you, it's going to, you're going to control it. Right. So... Anyway, that's why my fascination is, is because it's going to help me live my life. So yeah. what are we? Okay. Um, I wouldn't call that a simple question, but I'm, I'm just going to go for it. Um, you said it was simple. <laughs> yes. I didn't say it was simple. Okay. I think it's super confusing. I wake up every day wondering right. what the nature of reality it's is all true. about. But let's start at least with the body. So yeah, we'll think of it as, uh, well, the, ten the tendency is, first of all, to think that because we've been told this, the universe is random, right? Like <laughs> there is no self-organizing system. Would this be like chaos theory? Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Chaos theory is something else. But uh, generally, the idea is that you see, this comes from a really big intent in earlier times of science to separate science from religion. Mm -hmm. So religion said there's a god that's organizing everything. And science needed to separate from that. So, so science went in the other direction and said, there's nothing organizing. It's all just random. Ah. And things collide with each other. And eventually, if we're lucky, right? And if we're lucky is a big statement there, right? Um, they are going to agglomerate together and somehow natural system will emerge from it. And... You know, it's a good thought, but mathematically it's inconsistent. Meaning, mathematically, the probability of even just one monocellular system would come to exist after 13.7 billion years since the beginning of the universe. And, you know, we could discuss that deeper. Yeah, but that's next. Next yeah. is the Big Bang or, <laughs> right. or what might be the Big Bang. Right, right. And so basically, but let's say we assume the Big Bang, you know, it doesn't add up. You need trillions and trillions of years prior to the Big Bang for the probabilities to work out that somehow the complexity of one cell would come to exist, right? So th that's already a big problem, right? And then if, if it all of a sudden popped out, and oops, there was like a rock that fell on it, then it would take another, you know. So uh, yeah. So the probability that it came, but the problem is that if you say that to a physicist right away, they're going to assume you're religious and that you're going to tell them it's God that's organizing everything. Right. And what I'm saying is that there's something in between. Okay. There's something different, like altogether different than these two options. One, it's completely random. There's no organization. And the other one, there's God with binoculars making sure everything is good. Right. The, the other option is that there's feedback, hmm. meaning that there's a flow of information. This is literally how I solve these equations I was talking about, that there's a flow of information 
And the, the flow of information that's emanating from a system is called electromagnetic fields. Mm -hmm. And the flow of information that is collapsing into the system, right, is called gravitational fields. Mm -hmm. And the relationship between the two is a feedback mm -hmm. that makes the system self-organize. It knows about its environment and it, you know, modifies itself. It's the theory of evolution of the quantum world, if you'd like, that eventually leads to the evolution of biological system. Mm. Because you're made out of 100 trillion cells, approximately. Actually, mm -hmm. in your case, most little less, maybe. Is that shorter? <laughs> no, because <laughs> you're, you're a small person. <laughs> uh, so maybe 30 million, trillion, <laughs> you know, but let's say around there. And each one of these cells is made out of 100 trillion atoms right yeah. so it's very complex system yeah. and so all of a sudden but if you have feedback you can get self-organizing system to happen very very quickly in the evolution of a system so you can start with a very simple set and get to a really complex set of of, of interaction in very short amount of time um, a good example is if i give a rubik's cube to a blind person and ask them to order it, which is not a really nice thing to do. Um, if, yeah. they're, if they're moving a move every second. Sounds like a joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if they're moving a move every second, it will take billions, trillions of years for them to randomly find a solution. Okay. 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 The probabilities are very, very low. Okay. Uh, almost yeah. zero. Yeah. The Rubik's Cube is way simpler than a human being. Okay. But... <laughs> If I said to the blind person, yes, meaning you're getting closer, and no, just binary set of information, yes, you're getting closer, no, you're getting further from the uh -huh. solution, it would take two and a half minutes. What? And they would order the, the Come Rubik. on. Yes. So you Come on. No, as it's absolutely. So Maybe you can help me then. <laughs> uh, so you go from billions of years, randomly to um or trillions of years to you know a uh, few minutes if you have feedback wow. uh, and so feedback systems so think of yourself to answer your question because it was a deep question think of yourself as a feedback of information of the universe but i mean it literally meaning you're radiating thermodynamically right so that's like information radiating from you into the field, okay? But you can think of the field, you know, atoms are made of mostly space and so on. So you can think of right. the field is not just outside of you, but it's inside of you. You're made out of 99.99999% space, right? So, so think of all the, the little amount like of We think things. we're firm. We uh, think yeah. what we're not. Yeah. We're like just little mini tornadoes, right? It, like exactly. it's a body of tornadoes. Like the cells are just, right? Yeah, exactly. We're not actually matter. No. In we're, like a yeah. dense sense. When you look at the atoms, you could say you're just an electrostatic field of space, right? So, right. You, so you're space densified into a thing. Right. Like uh, everything you touch, everything... You know, it's mostly space. Right. <laughs> and, and the thing we call not space is just an electrostatic field that bumps against each other. So it's like a little field in space, hmm. right? And think of this little field like a little sphere 
exchanging the information between the space inside of it and the space outside of it. And as it does that, it produces a little thermodynamic effect that we call our reality. Okay? So that's a completely different view of reality right. and a completely different view of you. Because you're basically a set of information exchanging. So you're radiating thermodynamically and you're gathering information through your senses, right? So like the system learned to make you more and more complex so you could have more and more awareness of your environment so it could gather more and more information and learn more and more, feedback more and more. It's like a, a continuous positive feedback of complexity. And so like you have little black, that's why I was saying, remember the top of the pyramid has got the eye? When you said that, I said, well, you, what's in the middle of an eye, right? It's a little black dot oh. that's absorbing light, right? Right. And sending those photons into your, into your cortex, into your brain, right? And then, so you're gathering information as you're dispensing energy. So think of yourself mm. as a conduit for creation, right? Mm. And, and, and so how you interpret the information that comes in is going to dictate what you're going to do with the energy when you dispense it. Like how you're going to move your arm, how you're going to, how, who you're going to talk to, what you're going to say, all this stuff, right? And in that sense, you are creating your reality, right? Because you're part of this feedback loop. The thing that people forget is that everybody's part of that field. Everybody's part of that loop. So it's a collective creation of our reality, of our environment, right? So it's not just you. So although you intend to like do something really cool that you want to do, it might not happen because there's other people involved, right? Mm. There's all the other things in not just people like the chairs, the walls, all, all the other feedback loops that you're going to have to like conjure, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have to get them to come along okay. with your plan. Right. Yeah. So that you can do the thing you wanted to do. So, so it's, it's a dance. It's a dance of relationship. And it really, if I could show you these equations, which I will, soon you know because uh, we'll publish them soon it really shows that all there is is relationships right all so that is just an analogy for life yes all there is is the, is information exchange at different scales and in different ways and that produces all the forces all the constants of physics everything we see is just this exchange of information, all the bond angles that makes the molecule, that makes the cells, and so on. So, so you're so much more vast mm. than, oh, just a collection of cells that somehow randomly got together and became self-aware, you know, by some epiphenomena of your brain. Mm. So this says as well something profound about you. It says that you're not the biocrystal oscillator only you're the information right it's not happening all in your body meaning you're exchanging information with a field a quantum field of information that goes way beyond your your awareness mm -hmm. or your current capability mm.
Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.